0: Amen and amen. Is anyone beyond hope? What do you think? Is anyone beyond hope? Anyone? You know, when I, I, I talk to my kids and I talk to different people about um, reaching people for Christ, I ask them this question. I say, think of the person that is the farthest from God that you know. Okay, go ahead and do that. Think of the person that you, at least someone you know is really far from God. Think about them. Okay. Now, do you think Jesus can reach them? Yes. You know, it's funny when I have this conversation uh, with people and I don't set it up that way. I just say, hey, you know let's, uh, let's, let's, you know, let's pray for so-and-so. And I get a response. Oh, that person would never serve Jesus right? And, uh, people said that about me. I said that about my dad. I used to pray for my dad to get saved. And my prayer was this literally God, I'm praying for my dad to get saved uh, because I'm supposed to, I know he's not going to, but I'm praying because I know I'm supposed to pray for him and the day. And Hey, you know, I'm just honest with God. He knows my heart and he knows your it's not, he's not shocked when you confess your doubt, unbelief. He's not shocked when you confess your sin as though he didn't know about it until you told him about it. Right? And so, you know, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is pour out your heart before God. He's a refuge. So I just pour my heart out to him. And, uh, and then the day that my dad and I, when I was standing in church, my hands raised worshiping Jesus, I looked over and saw my dad with his hand raised worshiping to Jesus. Boy, I tell you what, I thought I was the hardest nut to crack. But man, when I saw my dad worshiping Jesus in church, I, that was the day that I crossed the line in knowing that God can save anyone our foundational text for this ser- series that we began last sunday by the way we had 10 people get water baptized last sunday isn't that awesome we had a number, number of people get saved number of people give their life back to christ and then we have some baptisms today as well so right after church go grab your kids and we're gonna head back up to the third floor and the baptismal we we'll take is being filled up right now and we're gonna dunk a few more people so it's gonna be awesome um But last week we started a brand new series on Easter Sunday just simply called Hope. Because the world needs hope now more than ever, wouldn't you say? Here's our foundational text. Read this out loud with me. Now, may the God of hope, say it out loud. Come on, church. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Okay, stop there. How many of you need more joy? Raise your hands. Seriously, be honest. How many of you need more peace? Okay, this says one of God's names is the God of hope. What a name. The God of hope. And it says the God will fill you, you, he will fill you with all joy and peace. We're looking for joy in life. We're looking for peace in life. Right here he says the God of hope will fill you with all joy and all peace. Here's the key phrase. In believing. You've got to believe in God. And believe in the God of hope. For him to fill you with all joy and peace. You see the combination there? You You see the equation? You believe in the God of hope. When your situation is hopeless, put your hope in God. Why is it downcast? Oh, my soul. Okay, I saw you guys dancing your jig, but do you believe it? It's coming out your mouth. Why put your hope in God alone? But then you're in, you're in your situation that looks hopeless. Are you dancing the jig at home? Or are you tipping the bottle? Just saying. Just saying, with a rubber it's easy to shout amen in church and dance your jig. It's on Monday morning when it's tough. It's on Friday night when you're tempted, right? It's in the parking lot after church when you guys are fighting on the way home, right? That's when it's real. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may, he's not even done yet, that you may abound in hope. When all your circumstances are right. Isn't that what the scripture says? That you may abound in hope when everything's going your way. That you may abound in hope when? How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. In this series we are talking about finding hope when there is no hope. Here's a quote from an author of a book. He's a pastor, and it's a book called No Perfect People Allowed. And this is his assessment. With our world in the throes of the postmodern experiment, postmodernism is there is no absolute truth. It's all relative. There are no absolute core values in life. Everybody's truth is their own truth. And, of course, that always detrays down into chaos, right? Henry, Henry David Thoreau had it right. Quote, most people lead lives of quiet desperation, An unconscious despair is concealed even under what are called the games and amusements of mankind, unquote. The author of No Perfect People Allowed goes on to say, My guess is that the pain of our generation may not be unique across the history of time, but its depth and breadth make concealing it more difficult. Between the pains of growing up and a nuclear family blow-up, abusive situations, Or as the unwanted generation, I find most people are secretly running from the evil twins of despair and shame. Pile on the prevalence of divorces, addictions, abortions, sexual compulsions, and workaholism, and emerging generations are left gasping for hope. As I read back over so many emails from seekers and believers alike, I found the word hope whispered again and again through the pages of low-grade desperation. But you would never know it passing these people in the office or on the street. These everyday people, or in church, these everyday people often feel like they are the only ones struggling up the steep hills of life. As leaders, we must create a culture of hope in our churches, our ministries, and our small groups. And I want to say, it begins with Jesus. When there is no hope in the world, it begins with Jesus. Hope, when there is no hope, begins with Jesus. And today we're going to look at a guy that was beyond hope, he was beyond cure, he was beyond counsel, he was beyond medication, he was beyond anything on earth that could help him get out of his situation, until Jesus came on the scene. And so... We're going to go to Mark chapter five. We're going to read verses one through twenty, and then I'm going to make some comments on this passage. Mark chapter one, Mark chapter five, verse one through twenty. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the Spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man, entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside spreading the news as they ran People rushed out to see what had happened A crowd soon gathered around jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane And they were all afraid Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs and the crowd began Pleading with jesus to go away and leave them alone as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged, begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. You or your loved ones may not be demon-possessed. Maybe you are. Maybe they are. There's a lot more demon activity. A lot more people are demonized than they, than they realize. There's a lot more demon activity in society than we pick up on or diagnose. Because especially in the Western Hemisphere, uh, where we are materialists, uh, if we don't see it, taste it, smell it, feel it, see it, we don't believe it. Uh, but that doesn't make us more advanced spiritually. It makes us retarded. That we, we have we have we we have not uh, we are not aware of what most of the rest of the world is aware of, and that is the spiritual realities, especially when it comes to bondages, addictions, uh, procl- proclivity, proclivities, terminal illnesses broken marriages, generational curses, unrestrained thought life. There are a lot of spiritual components to a person's bondage. And when we don't give credence to this, the person stays bound. We have had a number of of examples over the last uh, couple decades of ministry where people could not get free until they experienced deliverance ministry as as pastor mark says it's so much easier if it's a demon because somebody has emotional psychological or physical uh bondage there's it's going to take a lot of medication and counsel and physical therapy if it's a demon that's easy you just cast it out and the person's free that's what happened to this guy i think this is probably the worst case of any person in the new testament This guy was in worse shape than anybody you can read in the entire New Testament. And yet, and they had tried everything. He was completely forsaken, abandoned, rejected. He was completely hopeless. You may feel that way. You may feel hopeless. You may feel that there is no counsel that can help you, no person that can help you, your marriage, your child, your physical condition. You may have grown so accustomed to being in bondage to whatever it is, it has become part of your identity. This guy was known as the wild demon-possessed man that lives in the tombs. That's who he was. That's how everybody knew until Jesus showed up. Come on, huh? Huh? Come on, until Jesus showed up. I don't care how deep your problem is, Jesus is deeper. I don't care how badly you have messed things up, Jesus can fix it. This guy, when, he, when Jesus said, what is your name? The Spirit said, my name is Legion because we are many. Legion was a, a Roman cohort of 6,000 soldiers. Now, I don't know if this guy had 6,000 demons or not, but he had enough. I don't care if you have 6,000 demons. I don't care how many are present. When Jesus is present, Jesus overpowers. It doesn't matter how many demons there are. When Jesus is on the scene, it doesn't matter how deep your problem is, how strong your addiction is, or how long you've had this addiction. It's not like, well, I've had this addiction for like most of my life, Jesus. Jesus is like, oh my gosh, I thought it had only been a week. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, when Jesus, when, when this, when Jesus you know, saw this woman in church and she was bowed over like this, and Jesus set her free, and he said, I'm not this woman who's been bound by Satan, she's in church. Jesus comes to church and says, and you know, everybody was used to the woman that's bowed over, right? Oh, that's just, you know, that's just Susie. She's, she's been bowed over for 18 years. So this is her identity. Everybody knows her as that. Everybody loves her, compassion, all that. But where's the power? Jesus shows up and says, this woman who Satan has bound for 18 years, ought not she be loosed? It doesn't matter to Jesus how long you've had your bondage. Jesus can snap those chains just like that. When do you stop believing? Some people think I'm crazy because I'm still believing for my wife to be healed of stage 4 cancer. In the natural, she's getting worse and worse. But my faith is not getting smaller and smaller. Why would I stop believing just because the condition is progressing? You see, that's human logic. That's human logic. But when we're talking about deliverance from the power of God, we're talking about a miracle which defies logic. Don't allow your faith to go along a the, 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 uh, uh, parallel track with logic. You see, this is what Abraham and Sarah did. You know, when God gives you a promise, you feel like it's going to come to pass in the morning. And that so you feel it, man. God speaks to you. God promised me. A wife, a husband, a child, a ministry, a career, whatever it might be. That promise is like when God speaks to you, whether it's through the scriptures or through prophetic word or through God speaking to your heart. I mean, you feel it, man. It energizes divine energy from God. You heard his voice. And there's just like, gosh, you're looking for it, right? God tells Abraham, who had no children, you're going to have a promised child. And through your child, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. Change his name from Abram to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. God changed his identity from being barren to being fruitful. But he has to walk around for 25 years when people say, Hey, what's your name? Father of many nations. Oh, where are your tribes? Well, you can't see them like in the natural. They're, they're, they're I've got it by faith. Oh, you're one of those. Okay. You're one of those faith people. Well, after a number of years, Abraham and Sarah, they allowed their faith to begin to decrease according to the time, how long the promise was taking. until so they finally came to the place where they thought, you know, maybe we misinterpreted the promise of God. Come on. Huh? What about Joseph? Joseph's a teenager. God gives him two dreams that he's going to be leading in such a way that his own brothers and sisters, his brothers and his mom and dad are all going to be bowing down to him. The dumb thing was he told his mom and dad and his brothers about it, right? So they beat him up, throw him in a pit, get sold into slavery. He gets accused of rape. He goes to prison. 18 years later, do you think that he thought maybe I misinterpreted God's promise to my life? Right? Do you think maybe he was thinking, what did I do? How did I screw this up? There's no way this is going to happen now. And then and one day, bam, he goes from prison to prime minister of Egypt. And his mom and his dad and his brothers have to come to Egypt to get food because of the famine in the land. And who do they run into? Who did they bow down to? But it was 18 years later. You may think you have screwed up God's plan for your life, but God's bigger than your screw-ups. God's bigger than Abraham and Sarah deciding, hey, we got an idea. We're going to help God bring this prophetic uh, promise to pass. Why don't you, Abraham, go have sex with our maid? And Abraham's like, well, if you say so. Just want to obey my wife. And so he does. And then we have a whole nother group of people that are on the planet because of that situation. And God has to show up and say, hey, stupid. <laughs> I didn't say that was going to be your heir. And so it's all the way to 24 years and an angel of the Lord shows up to Abraham's tent. This time next year, Sarah's going to have a baby. Okay, now. Sarah's womb has dried up. Abraham can't. I didn't say it. No, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. It's over. It's so over. Lazarus had died. He was dead for four days when Jesus shows up on the scene. And he's about to do this miracle. Mary, in her logical mind, said, but he stinks. Don't raise him from the dead because he'll smell. See what our rational minds do? Or after Jesus rose his lives from the dead, you know what the Pharisees said they were going to do to try to get him? To try to get Jesus? We're going to kill him. He just defied death, but your strategy is the death? And then they decided to do it, and they did it, and then he rose from the dead. And so Sarah's in the tent when she hears this angel say to Abram, okay, next year Sarah's going to have a baby. She laughs. And then the angel said, Sarah laughed. And Sarah said, no, I didn't. He goes, oh, yeah, you did. So they named their child Laughter, Isaac. And through through Isaac and Jacob came the 12 tribes of Israel, and Abraham became the father of many nations. When do you stop believing? When there's no hope. But isn't that what miracles are for? That's what a miracle is. When there's no hope, you need a miracle. We're not supposed to live on miracles. Like when, they were in the, when the children of Israel were in the desert for 40 years, they lived on miracles because they were in the desert. Who wants to live in the desert your entire life? You want to live out there and you literally happen to live from miracle to miracle. Rather than building your life on a firm foundation and proverbial principles and building a great marriage and raising great kids and having a great career and and having a great ministry and and, you know, you're well established and you're storing up wealth for the next generation and teaching them and your ceiling becomes their your floor becomes their way their, Your your ceiling becomes their floor. Right. OK, you don't do that by miracles. In our church, people, some of you have been getting zapped by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's so awesome. But you can't live on zaps. You've got to live on wisdom. Yeah. Jesus said, if you build your house on my teachings, the storms will come and your house will still be standing. But if, you, but if you ignore my teachings and just go ahead and live by your own philosophy, the storm's going to come and your house is going to blow apart. Right? We don't live on miracles, but I love them. And sometimes we need them. When they got into the promised land after they came out of the desert, you, there's, you don't see miracles. You see a few of them. Jericho is pretty cool. But, but for the most part, they're just marching and taking territory through um, partnership with God. So what does Jesus say to you about your situation? What is Jesus saying to you about you? Have you listened to him? Have you asked him? Are, are, you, are you so bound up in your addiction or your bondage or your uh, hopeless situation? Some of you, a prayer didn't get answered. Some of you have unanswered prayers. Some of you, you believed God for something and it didn't happen. It could be a marriage. It could be a loved one died. It could be a child has died, which we've had that happen in our church, and it's just devastating. And you say, well, this sermon's for someone else. No, the God of hope is still the God of hope. It didn't turn out the way that you had hoped, but he still will bring restoration to your life too. It'll look different than what you had hoped for. And we don't, we don't bat a thousand on this side of heaven. We, we experience some hard stuff, family of God. We experience loss, but God is not done. There's still hope for you. I think about my own family story on Sunday after church. I went home and uh, I called my mom and my brother, my brother-in-law, my two sisters. And I said, hey, how was your guys' Easter? They said, oh, we had it uh, over so-and-so's house. And, you know, everybody was there. Grandmas, grandpas, uncles, aunts, cousins, nieces, nephews, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. We're all there. And of course, I'm thinking historically Somebody took a hit because every somebody always takes a hit on a family holiday, right? So somebody's going to be in a fight. Somebody's going to hurt somebody's feelings. Somebody's got unresolved issues. Come on, I mean, what are the chances? And so you know, you just avoid the family holidays, or you go and you just try to like get in and out, get out without getting, you know, without being scathed. Anybody, am I, am I preaching to the right? group of people on the planet earth right and so they said it it was all just absolutely wonderful i said really they were like no fights nobody fought how's that possible and they said everybody everybody was getting along it is so beautiful and you know it just hit me years ago we decided to start a family prayer meeting with a handful of us, and begin to pray for restoration in our family because there has been so much pain. If I told you some of the stories of the history of my family, it would, like, scare you. Maybe some of you, it wouldn't. You're, you'd be like, oh, really? You think you got some stories? <laughs> yeah. So, these are the kind of stories where the ripping and tearing and the pain was so deep and so bad that you just had the hardest time believing that God could ever restore those two. They will never be in the same room together ever again. And I mean, I'm about ready to tear up right now just thinking about the reality of what they were telling me. Jesus can restore anybody. And anything, and many times there is demonic activity in the process of destroying families, marriages, and friendships, and individuals. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He hates God, and he hates men and women made in the image of God. That's why he gets human beings to cut themselves, and to harm themselves, and to hurt themselves, drown themselves in alcohol, and shoot up drugs, and and uh, have sexual addictions that will destroy their marriages and, and all these doors that open up, windows and doors, the demonic activity, pornography and alcoholism and drug addiction and workaholism and all these different things where demons will take advantage of our, our addictions and our, our, our weak places. And they'll manipulate to destroy because you and I carry the image of God. And so Satan wants us to hurt ourselves and mar and damage the image of God in ourselves and in one another. At the end of this message, I'm going to lead us to a prayer of deliverance. Right there in your seat. We're gonna go through a little list. We're gonna ask God, forgive me for that, forgive me for that, deliver me from this. But here's the thing you've got to want to be delivered. You've got to wanna to be free. Those of you listening to me and watching online, you have to want to be free before you can get free. You may have a pornography problem, and you've tried over and over and over to get over it. There may be a demonic component there, which is why you can't break it. You open that door. I had a dream one time. You know a little soon after uh, cell phones and the internet came out and I had a dream Jezebel was trying to get into my house through a window And I would shut the window and she'd go to another window. I shut the window if you don't know Jezebel is just a, a controlling spirit named Jezebel in the Bible And I woke up from it and I knew it was the computers in our home And so I immediately put software in all of our computers to try to keep Jezebel away from me and my children Then the cell phones came out and forget about it We don't understand that when you open up that cell phone the computer the tablet and you uh, you participate in Pornography you are opening the door of your soul to demonization You may not be possessed, but you will be Harassed and oppressed and driven and you may need deliverance and deliverance isn't hard Look how fast this happened. Do you know I was down in mexico And I was in my hotel room. I was going to open up this weekend of uh, uh, meetings down in Mexico. All these people were busting in from around South Mexico. All these pastors were coming in. And I'm in my hotel room. And I always ask Jesus, is there something you're going to do tonight that I would miss if I wasn't paying attention? Why don't you tell me about it now so that I'll know about it then? And so I closed my eyes. And in my imagination, I saw a woman who was going to commit suicide come walking down the aisle to me. And I wrapped my arms around her. And she was completely set free. So that night... I um, i'm teaching I open up on this chapter the gathering demoniac And I got about five minutes into it reading it just like I read it to you and then all of a sudden I remembered What I saw in my hotel room in my imagination now in that moment I'm thinking now. This is how the kingdom of god advances by the way risk I thought now i'm not exactly sure if that was real or if it was just my imagination I feel like it was God, but I'm not sure. What am I going to do in this moment? Everybody's looking at me just like you. And I'm the preacher for the whole weekend. So if I blow this right at the, coming out of the gate, these people aren't going to trust that I can hear from God for the rest of the weekend. But I thought, you know what? I care more about seeing the kingdom of God than my popularity or whatever. So I stepped out from behind the pulpit and I said, this is what I saw in my imagination this weekend or this uh, today while I was praying for you all. Is there somebody here that's going to commit suicide? It was exactly like this right here. And I'm thinking, oh, dear God, please make somebody want to commit suicide right now. (laughs) I, I don't want to look stupid. And I waited beyond the point of comfortability because sometimes you need to. And all of a sudden, thank God, somebody kicked her chair out of the way and came running down the aisle. And as soon as she came up to me, I wrapped my arms around her and she fell on the floor and began manifesting a demon right there. I was like, praise God. I didn't. I'm kidding. I'm, you know, I'm playing around. Cast the demon out of her. And then she was sitting there in her right mind the whole time I was. And I got down to the end of that story where he was sitting there in his right mind. That word literally means so. It's the word sozo. It means salvation of the mind. Some of you are harassed in your minds. That's demonic harassment. And you can take authority over that in the name of Jesus and command it to leave. You don't have to be victimized by that. We saw some people get delivered yesterday in our activation day. One person said they had something stuck right here in their chest. She's right here in the church. She said, I couldn't eat much, I couldn't drink much, or I'd just throw it up. And it's been like this for a long time. I just couldn't eat it. And so uh, Gary and I prayed for her for about 10 minutes, and she st- stuff started just coming out. Wow. And after, after the lunch break, I was about to teach. She goes, I'd like to say something. She said, I went over there and pounded down a whole sandwich, drank as much as I want. She said, I have not been able to breathe this deep or eat this much in a long time, right, and this is somebody who's a Jesus lover, some say that Christians can't be demonized, well, you know, when you've cast demons out or off or away or whatever you want to call it from somebody who loves Jesus and then they get set free, I don't know what you call that. You can, you can call it something that you're more comfortable with. I'm just, I just care about a person's freedom. I'm not going to get into an argument about was it in, was it on. I don't know, but they weren't well. And now they are. Amen? That's what we care about. And so this woman, so that my my interpreter, who was a pastor, went up to the pastor that was hosting that meeting and said, "Is this woman like an exhibitionist? Does she like go to these church meetings and like fake manifest? You know, because some people do that. You know, sometimes it's fake." He said, "No, she owns seven restaurants in our city. She's a well-respected businesswoman. She would never do this." She was running up to me all weekend long, serving us lunch, you know, bringing us whatever we needed. She was just so happy. To be free. She said, I've gone to psychologists. I've been to psychiatrists. I've been on medications. I've been in counseling. She goes, I was going to kill myself because I could not find relief. Some people feel this way about Gen Z. No hope for you guys. Jesus does not feel that way about you at all. Jesus always has a divine assignment for every generation. Why do you think there's revival happening right now among Gen Z? The, the, the uh, Asbury revival spreading. Even some teens in our own church, people getting saved, getting turned on to Jesus. What's going on with that? That is Jesus, the God of hope. And like in the Jesus Revolution movie, where that generation, that generation thought there's no hope for these hippies. And Jesus is like, well, I guess I'll have to do it in spite of you. And then that hippie generation, which is us, is looking at the next generation and saying, There's no hope. Because we don't have our eyes on the God of hope. The God of hope. Not a politician of hope, not the economy of hope, not the religion of hope, the God of hope. And I guarantee you, Gen Z, when they're our age, will have no hope for the next generation. But Jesus always will. You may feel untouchable, unreachable, unlovable. But not with Jesus. These people, these townspeople, had completely abandoned and rejected this guy who's demon-possessed and living among the dead. You may feel like your marriage, your child, your career, your ministry, your physical body, your addiction, you're living among the dead. You're not dead, but you're living among the dead. You feel like there's no hope. And the Jews, of course, they would not even go near a dead person because they're unclean. What does Jesus do? This guy, demon-possessed, completely rejected, impure, filthy, Jesus allows him to come and run and touch him. Jesus allowed a prostitute to touch his feet, weep over his feet and and dry his feet with with her hair. And the religious guy was like, if this guy was a true man of God, he would know what kind of woman's touching him right now. He invited himself over to a notorious sinner's house for lunch. The Bible says that Jesus hung out with sinners so often that they thought they were throwing shade on Jesus when they nicknamed him the friend of sinners, when actually it was a compliment to God. In fact, look what Jesus says. The Bible says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man, which is himself, has come to seek and to save that which is perfect. Those who... Deserve it. Jesus says, I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. He says in Mark chapter 2, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Turn to the person next to you and say, McFly, knock on their head, say, McFly... For those of you that know that movie. <laughs> Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Yes. <laughs> ah. Ah. It's our Jesus. Jesus does not separate people based on the degree of their sins, but on the degree of their desire to be in a relationship with him. This brings up the second point. Jesus lets you determine how much of him you will experience. This just blows my mind. God will not force his way into your life. If you want to stay addicted, he will let you stay addicted. If you want to go to hell, he will let you go to hell. If you don't want his help, he won't give you help. But the moment you cry out to Jesus, he will come in to rescue you. He's right there. Whatever your need is, whatever your situation is. But if you don't want to, he, he won't. It's amazing to me he gives us that kind of power. His own disciples were in, the, on the, in a boat on the lake, and there was a storm. And it says Jesus was walking on the water and would have walked by them, but they cried out, so he got into the boat. He was walking with a couple disciples down the road to Emmaus. They didn't know who he was. And it says they got to their house and he was going to walk on, but they begged him to stay. So he stayed. These people begged him to leave their region. They cared more about, well, they were afraid. I remember this guy that was in Africa and he heard about how once you give your life to Jesus, you can heal the sick, cleanse the leopard, even raise the dead. So he got on his bicycle and rode around the villages trying to find a dead person. He found this young teenage girl that had died, and he raised her from the dead. That the villagers in that town would not have anything to do with her for like three weeks, cause they were so freaked out. Same thing happened here. This guy was demon possessed one moment; the next moment, he's sitting there. He, he was naked and demon possessed, and now he's clothed and sitting in his right mind. And it says they were afraid. S- see, supernatural power is uncomfortable. It kind of weirds us out. Isn't it strange that we're okay with it happening on the demonic side with Ouija boards and sorcery and even witchcraft courses in college? Okay? So somehow Satan, it's okay that he does the supernatural stuff, but as soon as somebody in church does it, well, that's a weird church down there. When we used to meet at Mount Carmel High School, another church literally put a sign out that said, No weird stuff this way. With an arrow away from our church. I wanted to go out and put a sign next to their sign say, deliverance this way. (laughs) Freedom this way. Power this way. Because people need freedom. And these people cared more about not going to a church where I might be made uncomfortable. And, of course, all their pigs died, so now their livelihood. Some people, don't rock my boat. Don't mess with my money, God. Don't mess with my career. Don't mess with my five-year plan. And don't mess with me. I like my money. I like my sexual addiction. I like the way that I treat my wife. I'm in control. I like my vacations. Don't mess with me. And Jesus will say, okay. However, when this guy, when this guy wanted to follow Jesus, and rightly so, I would think a couple reasons. One, he's like, these people, that's right, (laughs) if these people don't want you, Jesus, I guarantee you they're not going to want me back in their town. And... Sometimes when you get demons cast out of you You're afraid they're going to come back and you want to stay as close as you can to the one to set you free But what does jesus say? No, I want you to go to the 10 cities around and tell everybody You see when you have had a deep dark bondage You have tremendous influence When you get delivered because everybody knew how bad you were And so your testimony has tremendous credibility you see, if he followed Jesus, he would have gone to other regions where nobody knew this guy. And he could say, oh, I used to be demon-possessed. Like, oh, you mean like you, you just had a, a, a bad temper? No, I had 6,000 demons. <laughs> now, that sounds kind of extreme. I think, you're, I think you're exaggerating your story, okay? But if he goes back to the towns where people knew him... He's got credibility. He's got authority. So that's what he did. And two chapters later, Mark chapter 7, it says Jesus went back to that region and it says they immediately recognized him. And they started grabbing everybody who was sick and lame and demon-possessed and they all came out and they had a mighty revival. They had come to a place where they cared more about people's freedom than their social profile. I am not for being in a church where we purposely get weird for weird's sake. I think that grieves the heart of God and the Holy Spirit. But I'm also... God forbid, from now until the time I see Jesus face to face, will I ever lead a church where we care more about people not thinking we're weird than somebody getting set free not going to happen up in here if you can't get free on your own through willpower you can't get free through counseling you can't get free through medications there seems to be no hope for you in your situation you come here and we will believe God with you. We will pray with you because we want you to experience the freedom that only Jesus can give. Because whom the sun sets free, whom the sun sets free, is free, whom the Son sets free, is free Okay, so let's do some of this right now. Some of you have addictions that you have not been able to break. And you need to cry out to Jesus. Some of you, there's generational curses. You don't know why. Why you are so bound with sexual lust. The sins of the Father get passed down to the generations. You need to ask God. I'm going to lead you in this in a minute. God, please forgive my ancestors. Now some of you might think, well this is silly. That's because we live in the West. This is like fundamental life in many other places in the world that have not yet let go of their spiritual roots. They understand this stuff absolutely real. Some of you battle alcoholism. And I totally understand and I don't have time to teach on uh, demonology Gary and Kathy did a brilliant job in our activation day yesterday teaching on all of this. And uh, I love what he says. We can't go to the extreme and think there's a, a demon behind every behavior, but we also can go to the other extreme and think that talking about demons is weird. Sometimes evil spirits hide behind Cyclical human behavior, and so we just diagnose it psychologically. Gary said he got delivered from all sorts of stuff, but he couldn't get uh, delivered from marijuana. He smoked it morning, day, afternoon, evening, and he said it wasn't until uh, Gary, you said a friend of yours uh, prayed for you? Yeah, they never prayed for deliverance, they prayed for me. And it was so- That's right, Gary came to, they were new believers, and Gary came to his friends and said, Well, well, come here. Come here. Come here. Because some people are going to get, get free in here today and, and then we're going to do some, a water baptism. So we got some stuff we got to do, but, but um, we're just going to pray. I just
1: couldn't break it. I, got, I broke a lot of stuff. I couldn't quit it. And I'd come home from church. I mean, I loved the Lord. I was pressing into God. I'd come home from church and I'd get loaded. And so I said my friends, they actually helped lead me to the Lord. And, and I said, I don't, know, I don't know what to do. I've been, I was saved about three years, I think. So they said, well, let's pray for deliverance. And we don't know how to do it, but let's pray for They prayed for deliverance over me. I grabbed everything I had that was associated with that stuff. I took it out into the field. I dumped it in a ditch. And I was set free, and I've <laughs> never gone back to it. And God wants to do that. That, God wants to do that for everybody here that's struggling with something. Hmm. You know, generational curse. You know, I, I was set free from alcohol. My grandfather drank a lot. My dad drank a lot. I drank a lot. I threw my wife out of the car once when I was drinking. Were we, were we married then? Or no. I was trying to that's why she wouldn't marry me. And
0: you still married him? That's the miracle of the day, right there. That's the miracle.
1: So if, you know, you see things in your family and you know, why do am I doing it? That's a generational curse. God will break that off of you. Come on. You know, you have a habit. Okay, I got this habit, like drugs, or I've got a habit, like anger. I just, man, I keep falling into anger. Well, that's the way I am. No, that's not the way you're supposed to be. God will break it off of you. Come on. I, there, I, there's somebody here. There's somebody. There's several here that have unforgiveness. One person has unforgiveness towards God, mm-hmm. something major in their life, and they're having a hard time for- forgiving God. God, You know what? God can set you free from that. There's somebody here that's, that's. it's like a depression in its cycles. Doing good, doing good, then okay, now I'm not doing good, now I'm not. Then it comes back, doing good, now I'm not doing good. God wants to break that off of you. You could be doing mm-hmm. good all the time.
0: Hmm, hmm. Not Yeah, you're going to stay up here. Not everything, not everything is a spirit. Sometimes it is. So we just like to try everything. Right? We believe in it all. Doctors, nurses, medicine, counseling, and deliverance. So Gary, why don't you lead us in uh, just a, a, a prayer, walking down a few things. And we're just going to confess. We're going to believe. We're going to ask Jesus to set us free. This may be the day of your deliverance. And look, sometimes it's just really subtle. It doesn't have to be shake and bake. It can just be right there, sweet. One time, one time I was in bondage, and I couldn't break free, and I asked the Lord to help me. I was just sitting in my chair at home. I said, please, but this is the key. I wanted to be free. I was done, and I needed his help. And I literally felt wind. I felt wind blow right over me, and it was gone. It's really, really, it was really something, but it was just a whisper. The God of Hope went.
1: See, Jesus, I, I I don't know. I need John and Mark and to verify. I cannot find a place in the Old Testament that God ever delivered anybody from a demonic spirit. He delivered them from nations. He delivered them from animal lions and bears and Egypt and but when Jesus came see the
2: light
1: when Adam fell the, the the Satan got license to control the world right the kingdom of the prince of the air Jesus came he broke that license come on and that's why all of a sudden he started delivering people from the demonic it had never been done in the Old Testament okay and that's what he wants to do now. so if
0: you want to be free you tell the Lord right now, right where you are, I want to be free. And then Gary's going to lead us into prayer, and let's go.
1: And it is hunger for freedom, like John said. you got to want it. Lord, we thank you that you're the God that comes to set us free. You for break you every you join bondage, Lord. You break every bondage. We just have to bring it to you. And so I just pray right now, God, that as, 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 as people start to think about the things, just Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give people revelation to the things that they're battling with and that you want to set them free from, that you want to break the generational curses over their life. You want to break the addictions over their life, Mm. the habits over their life. Maybe they got involved with Ouija boards and witchcraft and, and the occult. You want to break those things off of them. Uh, The the sickness, maybe there's a sickness that's a generational curse. You want to break that off of them, Lord. Just start to show them right now what the things are that you want to set them free from. Yes, Lord. Oh, God. And I just come against all those things right now. I come against any demonic spirit.
0: Yes, Lord. Any
1: evil spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, and I say, you must leave them now. Mm. Go. Come out. Every demonic spirit. You must release them and go now in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, you have no authority. Take authority over that. Just, just be agreeing with me right now as I'm praying. Whatever that thing is, speak to that thing. Just come out in Jesus' name. Yeah. Come out in the name of Jesus. Relief, freedom. Unforgiveness. Okay, I battle with this unforgiveness. I can't seem to forgive this person. I keep coming back to it. Ask the Lord to take that away from you. Set you free from it. Say forgive unforgiveness. Leave me now in Jesus' name. This this depression, this cyclical depression, it comes on me. I'm kind of feeling depressed right now. I felt really good last week. Now I'm feeling bad. Say this, this depression, whatever it is, go in Jesus' name. I want to be set free. Just cry out to God. He hears you. I want to break this addiction. I don't want to smoke pot any longer. I want to stop taking drugs. I want to stop drinking. Take it from me, Lord. I come against this alcohol. I don't want to drink anymore. Break this. I had to, I had to have God break that alcohol off of me. He'll set you. saying i don't know if i don't know if this is i don't know if i can do this you to if, you, if you if you if you feel like i'm i'm struggling with this i can't do this come up here and let us lay hands on you yeah, let us lay all, hands let's, on let's you. all
0: stand anybody let's that you feel like i need some help with this you say hey you know what we'll this message was you. for me i need freedom 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 if that's you just move out from your seat look do not be embarrassed don't let embarrassment or fear or pride hold you back This is your day of freedom. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come up front and uh, begin to pray for those that are going to move from their seat and come on up here. I want to lead you in this prayer. As the prayer teams are coming up, I want to lead you in this prayer. Just say this out loud, everybody. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for addictions bondages I'm going to go down a list here It may or may not apply to you say Lord God forgive me for greed for pride for sexual sins for substance abuse for control issues for outbursts of wrath Forgive me for unforgiveness. Set me free, Jesus, from every generational curse, any involvement in witchcraft, in the occult. Forgive me, Lord, for rebellion. And I bow my knee to you now, Jesus. I declare your lordship over my life. And I ask you to set me free. Now, as Ava leads us in worship, if you need freedom, just move from your seat and come up here and let us lay hands on you and pray over you. If you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to give your life to Jesus so you know your sins are forgiven, so that with the day you die, you go to heaven, then you move out from your seat and you come on up here and let us pray for you to receive Jesus as your Savior. Let's fill this house with praise as people come up for prayer.
2: He's. Alive.
0: Had a uh, word of knowledge that we need to pray for people who have experienced abuse as a child. You experienced abuse, and the Lord Jesus wants to heal your soul and set you free from that from that damage and that wound. So, if that's you, just make your way up, and uh, we will have somebody pray with
2: you. Our sound the baron play
0: need to get water baptized and so I'm going to head out. I'm going to get on my bathing suit. We're going to head up to the third floor. Those of you who want to witness the baptism you're welcome to go up to the third floor all the way in the far side. You go down the hallway, up the stairs and uh, we're going to do a water baptism for a few of these guys, All right.